0: The people who are gonna win right now are the people who are like so excited to get their hands on all this uncertainty, all this chaos and mess. They're not even rolling up their sleeves. They're literally rolling around on the paint on the floor to make the painting. I'm Margaret Kelsey. And I'm Devin Bramhill. And this is Don't Say Content. And shout out to our producers at Share Your Genius. They're great at creating shows with strategic outcomes in mind they've been with us since the podcast was just an idea and they helped us bring it to life from strategy all the way to execution and we
1: absolutely love partnering with them. So if you dear listeners are thinking of launching a podcast, which you definitely should by the way, we recommend having a conversation with our favorite people over at Share Your Genius. Now let's get into it. I feel like there's a lot of CEOs and founders that are going through it after this year and as the year kind of wraps up. And so I reached out to a couple of the folks in my network to understand what they're thinking about, what they're concerned about, and if some of these problems and concerns that these founders and CEOs are having right now. You know what was crazy? It's like all the same things they're still worried about.
0: I like I shot off a few messages yesterday and I thought I was going to be like bothering people, but they were like, couldn't wait to tell me what's wrong. It was like permission. I was like, oh, it's like all the same stuff plus more.
1: So I'll start off. This is a VC-backed company fairly early on, came out of stealth about eight months ago. And so this is a founder CEO that has two folks on the marketing team as of now. And his greatest concern, number one, marketing starts thinking strategy and forgets to execute. Which I think is interesting. We can unpack that a little bit about like the balance early stage of execution versus strategizing, and then the second part that he said was the marketing team fixated on output metrics like number of impressions, visitors, and drop the ball in consistent execution. Classic analysis paralysis. There's no perfect data in this world, and I think what he's trying to get out there is like if you spend all of your time analyzing and not shipping, like at the early stage, it's about that velocity of shipping. And then you can look back and you're so close to it that you can tailor your approach and maybe do some changes. But this idea that you're going to be able to operate like a big marketing team with perfect data and perfect analysis, it's just not possible. I think that the conversation here that I want to have is like in the past, when you've been at various stages of sizes of companies, how do you encourage the velocity that you need to just do things that are seen externally versus analysis and strategy? It's all up to you.
0: The things you have to do as a leader to facilitate your marketing team, doing things, moving fast, breaking things, is contrary to the way you're used to operating in a way. So basically, you have to tell them it's okay if something doesn't work and then act okay when it doesn't work.
1: Even more critical, is acting okay when something doesn't work, I see it. Oh my God, that's spot on.
0: Yeah. And then pretending that you trust them enough to try something else and believing that at some point something will work because you hired smart people. And I need you to know that as a marketer who had to like deal with that with my leaders, I as a leader then had to act like I trusted people, act like things were fine. Even people that I knew were smart, I was like in a panic if I was pressured by circumstance or time. Like if there was some reason why it needed to work right away, it felt like a problem when it didn't. I mean, I think that's really it because this is now more than ever, you need to trust your teams, which means that as a leader, it's not just about you trusting them. It's about making sure you hire people you trust and then practicing that trust. They could be the best marketer in the world, but if you don't trust them for some reason, set them free and find someone you do. Because even if that person gets it wrong, you end up going back to the original person, like at least you will have educated yourself in that way. In good times, I struggled to get to do things that were logical and smart because my CEO didn't trust me. It's bad times. And so as a leader, you don't have any time to fuck around. And so it's like, get the right person on board or just find a partner, like a really good executor, like someone who does it freelance, an agency or something get really, really specific about KPIs, timeline, et cetera, like really narrow down the ass to set them up for success.
1: And I think going on velocity or things that are visible externally can be really, really important. I've seen this trap of like marketers wanting to have all of the answers and all of the prep work of we're going to do all this user research calls. We're going to do all this persona development. We're going to do all of this internal facing work that then helps you do external stuff. But when you're small and scrappy, you have to go on like, what did we ship this week that was visible externally? If we're trying to make noise, if we're trying to stay top of mind, and if we're trying to even test our messaging, some of that work that would be wonderful to have and maybe set better strategy and better direction is better served. You waiting a little bit further until the product's more developed and your market's more developed and you just try shit, you know? Yeah.
0: And what was triggering in my mind when you said that was like,
1: The goal
0: has to be to work smarter, not harder. And so that volume in the beginning should be serving the purpose of finding an efficient activity or set of activities that you with your existing team and budget can do for a while to keep moving the needle on whatever area of the growth wheel that you are assigned to impact. I think that this is where founders too, I've seen this when, again, in times of good, and now it's worse that times are bad, is when they feel trapped, they scatter their team by making them do a lot of activities. And so the volume in that case isn't helpful as much all the time because it's wanton. Whereas if you're the marketer using volume for the purpose of identifying Uniquely efficient and effective tactics that you can deploy with your existing budget and team right now, then you'll structure the volume such that it gives you information and doesn't like muddy the waters and allows you to test a lot at the same time.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're isolating variables and you know which variables you're testing rather than having somebody higher up just give you a bunch of tasks that you have to do. So
0: let me give you an example of when I had to do that. When Haley went to Golden Walk, she was my COO and she covered areas. Of the business that i had never managed mostly around like the contracts and the billing and stuff i'd been away from the finances but i was the one that did the finances first so like i had that foundation i just needed to like get back into it but i couldn't obviously because i had a company to run i needed to hire a fractional coo and i needed to bring on an accounting team those are areas where i was like i don't know how to interview for those things and so I went via recommendations. I literally hired Kristen Kraft's husband because he'd been a CEO and a COO and I knew him. And the accounting company, they were Boston-based. And anyway, here's my point. It was gut, but guess what? It put me in a place to let them do their job enough that like if things weren't perfect, I could guide them or give them feedback. I had to do it and it felt better and it freed me up because the most important thing for... Founders and CEOs, right now, is more than ever, you need to be utilizing every ounce of energy and time that you have for impact and rest. That's why I think trust matters more than some other objective approach around how you bring someone on because you just need that headspace to keep moving forward in another way. And it doesn't matter if anything is perfect because that's not what it takes to get through this. Perfection isn't going to get you through this, it's not blind trust. It's just trust in whatever way you experience it.
1: I like that. Switching gears a little bit. Another founder, friend of mine. This is bootstrapped, profitable, and growing like crazy company. So they are outside of the BC rat race, which is always really fun. Has been growing profitably without marketing. Kind of everything they do is like a little bit more of those community word of mouth things. And just like really great customer base that then is able to tell that word of mouth story. But this founder said, the first thought is that there's a huge amount of noise since COVID and everyone switched to all marketing outreach and what I describe as spamming by email, LinkedIn, and other forms of direct outreach. The only thing that will work in these channels is giving great information or someone following a story. The question is, how do you put together a marketing team with this vision to drive it? One or two good players will not be enough to drive a growing company, and the comfort level is to switch back to what I call the easy tactics. Delivering content that seems like it could be driven by AI is all about fluff, not focused on what the customer gets, the product, and focused on the audience. Once you sacrifice this, you become like everyone else. This guy gets it. He really understands, I think, the idea of differentiating your message, differentiating your channels, and really a high value on providing value for your audience even before their customers. And so I think his question here is more of a philosophical question of how do you find and scale a marketing team that can believe in that kind of vision and not revert back to spammy tactics?
0: Well, I think first of all, and this is something that I've seen almost completely from the way folks are thinking right now around marketing, which is he's still only thinking in the context of what they know is available in the same old ways it was available, like content and programmatic. And I don't think content marketing in the right post for search, use AI,
1: like that's not what a lot of these companies should be doing at all right now. I know, but he's saying that like that is making more noise in these channels. He doesn't want to do that. He wants to build a team that actually is thinking beyond that. But there's so much noise in these channels and how do you actually find marketers that want to think that way? Which I think comes back to this hiring question of like, where do you find pockets of these good marketers that actually have a decent head on their shoulders and aren't trying to automate themselves out of a job in a spammy way?
0: you need to write a job description that will attract that person. And it's very easy if you ask a marketer to do it who gets that vision, right? Like if I could spend all my time writing better marketing JDs for people, it'd be boring as hell. But like, it's just a matter of like, when you don't know what to do, your first inclination is to do what everybody else does. Makes sense, right? The problem is a lot of founders don't know anything about marketing. And so they're trying to write this job description and they like, poor things are shooting at the hip. I would honestly... Write some kind of JD that makes it clear that like part of your job is to discover new opportunities for growth outside the traditional channel playbooks. And I think you need to back channel on this one. You need to talk to your friends, get hooked up with a few marketers, let them know what you're looking for and ask for a recommendation.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I'm thinking about, and I wonder your thoughts on this, I have another client who again, was bootstrapped historically. And they actually hired on a lot of subject matter experts as their marketing team, even though historically they haven't been traditionally in marketing roles. They were folks that were their target customer that maybe had built their own business. So they had like a little bit of marketing prowess and knowledge, but not traditional marketers. What's your thought on that? Like how much of this is the fact that marketers maybe have blinders on? When I joined Help Scout most of the team weren't marketers. It was Emily
0: and Matt. I think Greg was the only one who was. It was tough. It's funny because like, I always joke about this. I'm like, Emily, she was such a talented writer, but it took a while to get her to buy in on doing marketing. And I don't have any time to waste right now. So like, I think I would get a subject matter expert in that like gets the thing they're supposed to do. So you don't have to swim up river there. But ultimately, I think we're answering the wrong question. It's like, Who cares what the marketer deploys if it's working? Just hire a good marketer and let them do their job and give them KPIs and a timeline and measure them against it. Say like, listen, you need to make X amount of impact in this area by this time with these resources. Go do it. And if they don't, there's no guarantee either way. This is like where the fear-driven actions start to come into play is like they feel out of control. And so their first inclination is to put more parameters around it. And they're like, oh, it must be that traditional tactics don't work. And coming up with these stories about COVID and post-COVID saturation, which like aren't really true, and decide that they know the answer. I'm like, if you're not a marketer, you might be missing something too. Like, There might actually be more programmatic tactics that would work for you right now. And so I think at the end of the day, it's like hire a marketer who
1: has proven that they can show results in the area that you need to see results and let them fucking do it. I think the value alignment here in hiring is really powerful too. I imagine that when you're saying like the impact here and the KPIs, they could be very value aligned impact in KPIs. It doesn't have to be like conversion or marketing attributed revenue. It could be like impact of brand awareness in a community or brand affinity in a community or whatever it might be. And yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think going back to that is just like, if you always use your shared values internally as part of your hiring rubric, you are more likely to find somebody that will naturally be able to come in and execute in a marketing function the way that you want, rather than if you go blind and try to just find oh, this person's done it before, or they have some good logos on their resume and then bring them in, they might do the opposite thing where they start to build some spammy, gross, automated things that don't actually work or have that impact that you're looking for.
0: Yeah. You know what? There's a few things in there that I want to plus one on. One is writing resumes is an art. And so the interview process is really crucial in asking them how and what specifically they did to drive the outcomes And anyone who says they ran a team to do it, it's a problem if they don't have a team at your company because they're not going to be able to do it. And that's why I'm like backing myself into a job, into like a thing that I don't like I want people to hire me to do is like, you should have a marketer interview them and vet them, just like bring them in because they can speak specifically to their strengths and weaknesses and how you would set them up and help you see that like, oh, this weakness here doesn't matter or here's how you can overcome that. But then there's another side of this for the marketers that I'm sick of hearing marketers tell other leaders and I hated hearing too, which is that whole thing of marketers need to stop saying, oh, this is gonna take a long time because what that does to the leader is it makes them feel like giving up. And so to me, to get what this person wants, an ideal situation would be Pretend we executed perfectly on the hiring front. We did the right things to bring in the right person. We think, we're guessing. And then the marketer and the founder or CEO sit down and agree on the impact statement. So like you're coming in, right? And it's in the JD, you need to drive this KPI. But say it's like brand, something less easy to measure. You two work together on what that looks like, how that impact is visualized and measured what progress you think you're going to make so that now you're in it together. And the marketer's job there is to stop saying, I can't, this is impossible. Everything is possible. So it's like, I'm not asking you to make promises you can't keep, but you need to take an impact statement, get it to a place where you think it's possible somehow and agree with the founder. Say, look, this is a stretch. I'm going to try to get here. I can almost definitely get us to the slightly lower one. And if I'm down here, I suck at my job. That way you're now, instead of it being like reporting up to the CEO, like you're in separate places, you're in it together. So you, the founder are more invested and curious because you're like, okay, these are experiments. The marketer feels like enabled to not be perfect. So they're more likely to try more and maybe even come to you with ideas. Be like, listen, I want to try this out. I think it sets you both up for success, but the work is on the marketer too, to stop thinking in terms of these historic playbooks in how content marketing or any kind of marketing works.
1: And feeling like their hands are always tied, right? To your point of like, oh, it's going to take a long time. Well, what could you do to make it not take a long time? What program would you run? Like, I know that if I need to get in front of 100 people, there's a world in which I go to 100 offices. My MQL number that month is 100. Maybe I go talk to 300 people or I like BDR style. There are ways to do it that are a lot of effort, but can be done in a short period of time. I was like posting on LinkedIn and I was like,
0: not telling people what I do for work. I just spoke to two people. I got work. And that's technically unscalable, but it worked a lot faster than writing on LinkedIn all the time. There's something else you said in there, though, like what you were saying just a second ago.
1: Oh, like people feeling like their hands are tied and that they can't do certain things. Here is the thing on that. And I'm living proof. So I don't want to hear any of this like, Power dynamic BS.
0: You can untie your own hands. I am living proof. There have always been a lot of constraints and unfair expectations and power dynamics. And you can choose to not let them own you because it's just as risky to follow the rules as it is to propose breaking them. Because the two times I got fired, it's because I gave up and just did exactly what they asked. And I got fired for lack of performance.
1: Wasn't it Jim Carrey that said you can fail trying to build the life that you don't want to? So why not fail building the life you want versus trying to do something you don't want to do and failing at that?
0: Exactly. This is like the biggest myth. There's the myth of the career ladder. There's no fucking ladder. You don't have to do steps in this order. I am the perfect example of that. I didn't come into this world with like, special intelligence of any kind. I'm just a regular person. I can barely do math now. I took forever to learn how to read. I think I peed my pants till I was like nine. I'm no joke. I think I had one of those things where it was like, you wet the bed when you're like older, like I had to have one of those things. That is me as a person. And I skipped over a lot. Part of it is like growing up homeschooled, you don't come in understanding a framework. And so I would just come in and in the beginning of my career, I was kind of scared. I was like, oh shit, I better learn how this thing operates. You know, I was like a petulant little bitch. I didn't want it. I was like, ah, if I wanted something, I just like figured it out. And like, the thing is, I figured out a way, but like, you could have done some other way that's not the latter either. And so the point is like, just make a decision and try it and see what happens. The world isn't over if you get fired. At least in our industry, there's a lot of people speaking as if their life is over. So I think just in general, it's like no one's hands are actually tied behind their back unless they decide they are. And the people who are going to win right now are the people who are like so excited to get their hands on all this uncertainty, all this chaos and mess. They're not even rolling up their sleeves. They're literally rolling around on the paint on the floor to make the painting.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking too about like how much confidence that would build in a CEO and a founder if you as a head of marketing is embracing the messiness and is excited every time that you're going to go talk to that person being like, here's what we don't know yet. Here's what we're testing. Here's what we're seeing. That energy of like, I am not scared from this mess and I'm in fact thrilled by it. And I think that there's so much hidden opportunity that we just have to find. But I do want to be clear that like, that's also coming from a place of a lot of mental stability and calmness that I don't think a lot of heads of marketing have experienced over the last couple years. And so I'm just recognizing that it's hard to get if you're feeling completely overworked and burnt out, it's hard to switch to a place where you're able to find excitement in the chaos and pockets of creativity. Sure, but like
0: life is hard and this is just life. You're not special because you're overwhelmed. Fucking everybody's overwhelmed and chaotic right now. And so it's like you can choose to live there and be owned by it or you
1: can choose to start trying to get out of it. I absolutely believe in choice. I'm just recognizing the fact that sometimes it's not an overnight switch. Sometimes it is an overnight switch. Sometimes it's just you wake up and you're like, I'm not going to deal with that bullshit anymore. I mean, yeah, that's rare though. Like
0: I would say the one thing that could have gotten me a yes to everything I wanted to do was confidence. If I had proposed the exact same things to my bosses or my CEOs, actually sometimes like with Sunit, this is a perfect example. I had big ideas and I wasn't confident enough to share them with Nick because I cared too much that Nick thought I was great. And so I couldn't deliver confidently. And so I had to lean on Sunit. Like, the times where I just, like, went to Nick and was like, this is the only thing we should do, I was a little bossy at him. Like, that's when he became receptive. It wasn't confrontational. You know, I was like, man, I know you don't believe in this. I need you to get on board with me right now. Please just do this, and I'm not going to give you anything back for it. And it was like, that's when he and I harmonized very well. The only way out is through. And so, like, buckle up, buttercup, and, like, it's probably going to take step by step we're not overnight oats here. You do have to put that determination pants on right now.
1: I said on a call yesterday and then I posted it on LinkedIn and it seems like it maybe hit some people a little hard. I said it on this call and I was like, wow. So when you're overwhelmed, overworked, curiosity feels like micromanagement. It's like when you're ahead of marketing and you're way overwhelmed, any bit of a founder being curious about what if we do this or what if we prioritize this, any curiosity like that feels to you when you don't have the space to be able to go down that path with that person. It feels like micromanagement. Oh, they need me to go do more work. Oh, they don't trust me in this area rather than, oh, this is a leader within the organization that's curious about how this program could function. And let me talk them through all of my thinking process on why I prioritized things or what I need to do or my thoughts behind this, because that just feels like more work that you don't have time to do. No offense,
0: like founders, CEOs, stop having ideas about marketing. If you're not a marketer, just go do something else.
1: If we do think that the founder oftentimes is the person that maybe had the closest relationship with the problem or the space that they're trying to solve for, I do think that it's an interesting place to be like, if that person's been thinking about the problem space in the audience for way longer than maybe even the head of marketing has, there should be some level of curiosity that's granted. Yeah, but their curiosity isn't curiosity, they're suggestions, and it's different. What it would
0: have found an effective way to participate, one, make your head of marketing aware that you have time and space. Like, during times when I stepped in in sales at Animals, it was necessary. And so going to them and saying, I believe this is a time where I need to put my like evangelism hat on as CEO and help contribute to getting us back on track with whatever our revenue target this year. I have some ideas of my own that I was thinking about for how I could participate and I'd love to run them by you and see what you think and see like, will they contribute to your programs? Will they fight your program? Or if you don't have any ideas, be like, what do you recommend? And then if the marketer is proposing something to you where they're like, if you're not someone who like loves being on social, like on LinkedIn or even in like forums or whatever, if that's kind of not your cup of tea, and the marketer tries to make you into a persona that you're not to contribute, then your marketer, doesn't matter how good they are at their job otherwise, they should be factoring you into account because there's water flowing down river, even if it doesn't look like the same thing that everyone else is doing, right? But if they're proposing things that maybe you're like, ooh, I'm a little scared, but it's in the realm of things you can do.
1: Yeah, you got to let them fly. Absolutely. I think the nuance here is that when A founder and CEO has potentially done a good enough job to have enough deep thinking time on their schedule, but their head of marketing is under-resourced and underwater. It's the biggest mismatch because the founder is able to be like, oh, if I jump in here and I'm curious about this and I'm thinking about this and whatever, because they've done a good job of resourcing themselves effectively throughout the business to have time to be able to think calmly and creatively about things but their head of marketing is underwater, it's a complete mismatch of conversation because the head of marketing is like, no, no, I need to execute on this thing. And I promise I have thought about it and I just need you to let me go. But like, I can see it from the founder CEO lens too, which is like, it's helpful for me to think about this.
0: Yeah. I remember both sides of that. Walter would come in and be like, he would just do it without even telling me. And how frustrating it was because we had to deal with all the residuals. And so There were two levels of wasted money there. We were diverting time on a thing that was working. It just hadn't come to fruition yet, even though it was going to at the time we promised him it would. We're taking that time. So we're now delaying progress to serve this random thing that he did over here. And so we're like wasting money left and right. And then on the other side, I remember feeling as a leader, like, can't you just do this thing? And so like, I understand both sides. This is a time more than ever where we need to trust each other and put the right guardrails in place to measure people up to that trust and communicate effectively around it not working. Just because something doesn't work doesn't mean it was the wrong thing or that the person's bad at it.
1: I think it's a good like marketing therapy conversation or like executive therapy conversation to be like, hey, listen, if I get to be more resourced, I would absolutely love to go down these rabbit holes with you. But right now, your rabbit holes are thrashing me in a way that I can't focus on the things that I've prioritized. And even having that language of like, I get that you want to do this with me and I would love to do that if I can be more appropriately resourced to have the time to think strategically enough with you at all of the different outcomes and all of the different places. But even being like, I don't have the bandwidth for this conversation right now, I think it's a useful tool in your tool belt where we were talking before about, like, you're only as tied as you think your hands are. You can also say those words, which is like, I don't have the bandwidth to have this conversation with you. Another thing I would
0: try to get out is start by thinking from their perspective. A lot of times when they're asking you for something specific, it's because they're worried about a bigger thing and they don't know how to solve it. And so you're like, thank you for sharing that idea. I'm interested in seeing how this might impact whatever my KPI is. Resources are fully deployed and they're currently on pace to hit the goal at the time that you said. I'm curious, what are you worried about? Like, are you worried that this plan isn't gonna work? Is there a better way for me to share progress that would make you feel more confident in our plan. But I know this sounds so like warm, fuzzy, but it's kind of not. You need to manipulate each other. And that's just how work works. So calm down. The times when I know I'm being manipulated and it's working, I'm like, this person is a genius. Just try to go in and understand because this not only helps you in the moment, but this helps you in your career, right? You become the CEO whisperer because 90% of getting things done has nothing to do with the thing you're doing. It's how you do it. And so like most marketers strategy lives and dies way before execution. If you want resources, go create a circumstances where there's money to have more resources because that's your job.
1: When I was talking about that, I was thinking about a specific circumstance where there was a regrettable departure and they needed to backfill. And it was like that conversation would be better suited to have once that person's resources and bandwidth got back to like some semblance of normal rather than before that. And so specifically there, there was resources to be had. And it was just like, hey, listen, my full goal right now is to resource my team effectively so I can get back to a place where I'm able to think strategically and creatively. But like, I can't operate on any plan if I don't have the resources for that plan. And we've agreed that I'm allowed those resources. So to me, it's like, when that's the case, just let me prioritize getting the resources on board. And then I can go back to being the strategic leader that you want me to be. Another way to have that conversation in addition to that
0: You just keep reminding them about the plan you're already on here's the plan we're delayed by approximately six weeks because this person quit suddenly or we fired them or whatever i've figured out a way to reduce that time by x percent so that we're staying closer to one footing and i think bringing on this person i can mitigate some of it so here's how i'm solutioning around that i would love to explore your idea In the context of how our current plan is operating with whatever resource we choose.
1: And so you're not even like saying yes or no. It's kind of like, let's think about this. This are my priorities. This is where I'm at. And I think like that's the sobriety that is really interesting that I find challenging in a startup marketing organization is that the type of people that startups attract are people who can work outside of the realm of possibility. They like to think about creating something that didn't exist before. They like to bring products to market that don't exist before. Ideally, marketing programs that didn't exist before. They have to be a little bit outside of the realm of reality. But there is this thing about if you have made a plan to hit a goal and you've resourced that plan, and your resources change, it's just factual that your plan has to change. And there's so much of just reminding of that simple, basic truth, which is, if you don't have the resources for your plan, you cannot do that plan, and it will affect your ability to hit that goal. Yeah. You know the
0: other thing that you can kind of bypass all of this? It works really well. What you do is you ask them questions. And so your CEO founder comes to you with an idea. You're interesting idea. In what way will that expedite progress towards this goal that we agreed upon that we're on pace to hit by X date? Or if we're not on pace to hit it, in what way do you think this will work better than the thing we already agreed to do? And then next question, say there's a lot of activities in it. You're like, okay, there's five activities here, probably 20 weekly hours. What resources do you think we can assign to this? Just as a quick reminder, here is what this person is doing. And it all bubbles up to this plan. And they're going to get so fucking annoyed at you. They're going to start self-destructing. Once I started doing that, I started to love my job so much. I was like, okay. To the point where like I, would, I was in a meeting once. Because you have to be curious. Because there is a time where sometimes we say things that make sense. Sometimes leaders have good ideas about marketing. So then the positive, best case scenario, they have a good idea and you figured it out. And actually it does make sense to change your plan. The other best case scenario is... They get so riled up that the conversation turns into you seem frustrated, and I just want you to know like I'm really sorry if I'm frustrating you like I'm really just trying to understand what the scope this out so I can consider how and when we might be able to incorporate this or do this, and that is a much more effective way to help your founder or CEO eventually trust you because They're going to get so annoyed about the work you're making them do and they haven't thought it through at all. So they don't have any answers and now they're annoyed. So they're going to go away. They're going to be demotivated to force you to do ideas at random because they're going to feel like you're going to make them do homework. And so it will give you the space to execute and show them that you know what you're doing. And look, it doesn't always pan out this way, but it works a lot. I'm telling you, because I've also been on both sides of it. And so I've seen it work on me, and I've made it work on other people.
1: The resourcing bit is often overlooked in all of this. Wherever you can say, like, bring to light this idea that resourcing needs to exist for a plan. It's show, don't tell. The more you tell, the more they'll
0: argue. And it's both resources and don't forget about this other favorite one, the estimate on how much time it will take. We can do this in two seconds. I once built an entire app in an hour and you're like, okay. So I think it's those two things. It's like the time estimate and the resource thing get in the way. And so if I could go back to my younger self, I would build my strategy, not on telling people what I was going to do, but sort of like asking them into showing them in a way, instead of trying to get alignment by proving to my boss that it was logical with numbers because oddly, when you give them what they want, it doesn't always work. But if you can go in and weave in lots of questions, you can't just do the like, what are you worried about? What are you scared? Right? It's like, I would match every single question that they have or dissent with another question, asking them to do some math. Make your CEOs do math. At the end of the day, a CEO doesn't become a CEO Because they want to run a company or lead a team. And they'll tell you they do, but that isn't really it. They did it. They're there because they want to achieve something big. And it could be like, fine, they just wanted to join a company and make a lot of money, right? That's still a thing. Or most of them, though, have vision that's so big, right? So they're not there to be perfect at leading you. And actually, I think the ways I tried to be perfect at it or to do a really good job were actually a waste of time and like didn't work anyway. So I should have ignored it altogether. And so expecting them to be perfect is actually just leading everyone to failure. And so what you need to do instead is manipulate them for good purposes. That's why I think it's so problematic when people talk about like work culture and bringing too much humanness into the workplace because business is not regular human behavior. Business does not mirror. Regular human life, the more you try to make it accountable to those same values and norms, it actually becomes more toxic. And so, what you need to do is accept the ways in which the business is selfish, where you can be selfish in it and cooperative, and then just establish the values of how you treat each other and not go any deeper than that. Because what I've seen happen over and over is the more complicated it gets the more that is available to manipulate and is manipulated in kind of bad ways.
1: And I feel like that might be another topic for another episode because this is, feels meaty. Hey, everybody. We just wrapped this
0: episode and forgot to tell you that we have a bunch more questions that we didn't even get to. So we're going to do another episode answering founder and CEO questions about marketing. So look for that in the feed coming up and thanks for listening. And if you're a founder, CEO, and we're not already friends, if you want us to talk about something or answer something for you, and if you're a head of marketing and you want us to talk about something that you think would be helpful for your company leader, you can find us. You know how to find us because Google is a thing and I don't know where to send you. Okay, y'all, that's a wrap. Thank you, as always, for listening.
1: We'll be back next week. And just remember, you're doing great. You're doing great.
0: 30% of you are doing great. The rest, you got to get your shit together. Come on.
1: You know which side you're on this week. You know. (laughs) You know. See you next week. Bye. Bye. But I got to end our yeah. shebang Bang.
0: Also, I'm probably gonna get canceled after that because I'm sure everyone's gonna be like
1: She thinks the point <laughs> well, I'm gonna be like That's no. why we will that's why we will listen to and edit that one.
0: Oh wait, hold on. B- before you stop recording, did you stop recording? Oh I or? did. Our-